Back to our regularly scheduled programming, Beavs take care of business as expected and get ready for a big week three matchup. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. It's Pat Beaverman here, back with you. Uh, looking to talk a little recap of Week 2 and a big home opener for the Beavers at the completed Research Stadium. And they look to keep things moving forward uh, with the second home game of the year, first daytime game for the Beavers against San Diego State. Um, and what's looking like it should be a sellout here. Um, and things were definitely getting close earlier in the week, and I'd expect a little bit more of a family-friendly kickoff time, if you will. Um, I do expect them to get there and take care of the sellout against a San Diego State team that really um, hasn't been playing up to their typical standards, uh, if you will. They are two and zero, or I'm sorry, two and one, following this past weekend's loss to UCLA, uh, but they just haven't looked too good in some of those early games. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll start with the UC Davis and Oregon State kind of review uh, breakdown. This was a game that um, obviously much anticipation going into it as the Beavs unveiled their brand new stadium and uh, got into it that night with everything, with the lights, the sound system, which it seems wasn't up to par with some folks, uh, which is still on the way. So that will get uh, better as the season goes on. Uh, but just a lot of hope, intrigue, and the first chance for these Beaver fans to see uh, DJU at the helm uh, and this new revamped 2023 Oregon State team uh, take the field. So it's, uh, it started off UC Davis was kind of driving. They had a big breakaway play uh, like probably a run of 30 something yards uh, and then the very next play a ball batted on a screen pass at the line straight up into the air and Easton Mascarenas came down with a pick when the very next play to that is going to be Damian Martinez's 64 yard house call and the Beavers uh, really never looked back from there. The defense, uh, the starting defense at least, that first drive was really the only, I don't even want to call it a blemish because they got an interception off of it, uh, but it was kind of the only sustained drive for UC Davis. Uh, I don't know if it was the following drive or two after that, but there was a three and out and every play went backwards. Um, really something that you got to admire. I think they had a total of 11 tackles for loss uh, let's see what the official uh, final number was here. And it looks like 15 was the total number of tackles for loss. Isaac Hodgins led the way with three tackles for loss for a total of 16 yards, one of those being a big sack uh, for eight yards. He had a great kind of coming out game, which was to be expected. We kind of saw the, both offensive and defensive lines dominate in the trenches. Uh, and just based off the sheer size advantage that they had over the UC Davis lines, um, that's kind of something that you'd like to see. Obviously, the Beavs dominated in this game, 55-7 to being the final score. Um, but that's kind of more so what you want to see in these games against the FCS opponents. It's not more so of whether it's a win or loss. It's a it's the did you do what you can do and uh, what you should be able to do. And it was clear and evident that the Beavers were able to do that, seemingly moving the ball with ease. A couple snag-ups there. Uh, they had that two-minute type drill late in the first half. that uh, was uh, not good, to say the least. Um, however, silver lining is we did get to see um, Atticus Sappington take two field goals and drilled both of them. 
Uh, so good to see he's healthy and in the kicking game and accurate so far. Still waiting Everett Hayes and whether or not if he's healthy, if he'll take that job back. But um, to this point, Sappington has done nothing to, to lose the gig. Uh, Silas Bolden, what a game. Uh, four receptions for 80 yards or something of that sort and a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, big kind of stepping up for Anthony Gould, who was out for the game. Uh, a great little story that uh, Bolden said in the postgame presser was that after one of the returns, he got back to the sideline and Gould told him to take one to the house. Uh, so the very next one, that's exactly what he did in taking one to the crib. Um, always exciting to see a punt return there. Kind of gave me shades of last season against Montana State where the punt return came uh, against the FCS team. Um, always electric, always gets the crowd going and really set the beeves up uh, on on route to a route, as we saw things there. DJ, you looked good, eight for 13. Childs looked very good as well. He got the entire second half, he was nine for 13. Uh, again, we've stayed off the boards interception-wise. DJ had one throwing and one with his legs, uh, and Childs added one on his first career touchdown pass in Reeser, and first career touchdown pass in general uh, to Riley Sharp. Uh, so that was pretty neat to see there on a little out route. Uh, to get the score there. Damian Martinez had an easy 100 yards, it felt like, uh, on seven attempts, giving him a, an average of 14.9 a carry. He was so close to getting that second uh, kind of explosive play into the end zone. Ended up somersaulting down at the one and where DJ punched it in on third down. And that's kind of something we were talking about it up, uh, up in the seats. Uh, and it's been a conversation, especially in the offseason, and it's kind of tapered down since the season started, but what they'll do to replace that Coletto package, I think the Coletto package is just DJU. I mean, he's, I think, bigger than Coletto was, and he's got the running capabilities, so it's it's just instead of having a different quarterback out there, your, your quarterback is just that guy already. Uh, so I think that's definitely something that the Beavers can play to, especially with... Uh, having Hodgins in the backfield. I'd love to see something later in the season where uh, they've got DJU in the shotgun and they've got Isaac Hodgins lined up to his left or his right, and he's your lead blocker there. I think these are things that are in the playbook. I think with these first two and the first three games really being against opponents that you should win pretty handily, the Beavers have been favored by double digits in all three games. Um, something that they do have in the playbook, and I think that we'll see maybe against Washington State, maybe against Utah, as both of those games are shaping up to be bigger games. I, I wouldn't say Utah. We always expected the Utah game to be a big game, but I think that Washington State game is, is taking on a bit of a bigger kind of picture now than it was the beginning of the season. I know, at least for me, I was pretty low on the Cougs, uh, but they've looked nothing but really good kind of to start the season. Uh, Cam Ward looks good, and that offense is kind of flying Lincoln Victor. Uh, leads their offense and receptions both weeks. Um, and a, a big win for them over Wisconsin. But before we get too much more into the rest of the Pac-12, uh, kind of a conclusion on the UC Davis-Oregon State game. Uh, I think it went pretty much exactly to plan. You've got everybody kind of getting their hands in on offense and defense, everybody getting to play a little bit. Uh, let's see here. A total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different Beavers were able to catch a pass out of the backfield. And let's see, another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, at least got one rush out of the backfield. 
So a lot of uh, kind of spreading out uh, the defensive side of things as well. There's too many names to count here as for people that got playing time. Uh, but uh, kind of really neat. Melvin Jordan had a big game. He started to fill in a little bit and definitely got a lot more playing time uh, in the second half. Uh, I can't continue to go on about how Childs looked. I thought he looked fantastic. And just that one blemish was that late game touchdown, um, which I, I certainly won't hold against the Beavs, although it did cost me uh, a little bit of change in a friendly side bet. Um, but the rest of the Pac-12 held their own and looked pretty good. Uh, you got to take a peek, and we'll start with UCLA and San Diego State, I suppose, just because of the common opponent here coming up. Uh, like I said, San Diego State has not looked good. They struggled to beat an Ohio team that lost their starting quarterback in the first quarter of that game. So I think if their quarterback kind of plays the rest of that or the whole game, I think Ohio wins the game. Uh, so that is a, a loss here. To, I don't want to call Ohio a poor poor team, but I do believe they are but more of a poor <laughs> team there. And then uh, they also scraped by Idaho State, uh, which is not a very telling sign. Not a very promising sign, I should say. Um, and it, it kind of all lies within their quarterback. Uh, he is all about the run, but he cannot do much of the pass. So I think we'll see the defensive line uh, kind of take a Chevin Cordero approach, or maybe they're not going for sacks the entire game, uh, and more so that they are looking to kind of force him to throw the ball and contain him in the pocket. Last week against UCLA, he went 19 for 37 for only 196 yards and threw three interceptions along the way. Uh, so if he's not running the ball, then it must be the running back, but he didn't do much either last week, only nine carries on 27 yards. Uh, so I it, chalk it up to maybe a, a bit of a tougher defense for UCLA, but also uh, nine on 27 just won't get the job done any week. I mean, you got to think there lies some things in there about the line. Uh, UCLA looked, looked good. Dante Moore has, I think, officially cemented himself as the starter there in that spot. So it will be um, kind of interesting to see how he continues to grow, and especially when he gets into some certain situations against uh, Oregon State later on in the season and other teams that carry a bit of a more stout defense maybe than San Diego State does. San Diego State got shut out in the second half as the Bruins kind of cruised their way to a 35-10 victory. Elsewhere around the pack, the first conference game in the season took place. USC took care of Stanford pretty handily, as I think most of us, probably all of us, expected. 56-10 uh, to 10 was the final down there in the Coliseum. Washington cruised by Tulsa, 43-10. to 10. They continue to impress and maintain their spot in the top 10. Uh, Utah survived a scare against Baylor, who barely I'm uh, sorry, they didn't even beat Texas State in week one. They lost to Texas State by a pretty good amount. Uh, and they held Utah all the way to the end. That Utah team must just be itching for Cam Rising to get back. The more I look at it, the more it seems like his first game might be in Reeser. Taking a peek ahead to their week four, their first conference matchup. Uh, I think seeing who they have will dictate that. And they're hosting UCLA. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Kyle Whittingham and the Utah coaching staff decide to do, and if Rising's healthy enough to go. Uh, but if, if it can be his first game in Research Stadium, uh, where he is 0-1, I think that will be a very tough test for him, especially given the atmosphere that is going to be going on in Research that night. Uh, Oregon took care of business against Texas Tech, also surviving a scare. The more I watch those highlights, the more I think that... Texas Tech should have won that game. I mean, they lost the turnover battle 4 nothing, and 
probably were in, they weren't in a position to win the game at the end there. They had a little under a minute to go, and they were on their 40-yard line driving, needing just a field goal to win uh, and an ill-advised pass from Tyler Shuck, which is no surprise to Beaver or Duck fans, um, as they have both seen that tale before. Uh, really cost them that as they turned it over with a late pick six, and Oregon walked away with an eight-point win in Lubbock. Uh, the big upset of the weekend, if you want to call it, uh, was the one on the Palouse that we already talked a little bit about with uh, Washington State taking care of Washington. Uh, close game late and a couple of timely defensive plays for the Cougs um, held off Wisconsin in a rowdy environment in Pullman. Um, that kind of shows to the country that the Cougs belong and we'll hope to see them kind of improve and set up a really intriguing matchup next week on the Palouse, September 23rd. Uh, Arizona just dropped a tough one in overtime to Mississippi State. Uh, I think Arizona kind of outperformed themselves there. I think a lot of, maybe, I'm sure Arizona fans expected a win or wanted a win, but I think for the rest of us around the Pac-12, they expected Mississippi State to win. I didn't think it would be necessarily that close or go into overtime. Um, so a good showing by the Wildcats. Um, who will take their first loss of the season. Uh, Delora sounds like had a, a bit of a rocky game, uh, turning the ball over. Cal just barely dropped one to Auburn at home. Uh, kind of an odd scenario. I feel like a lot of SEC teams are playing non-conference games on the road. Uh, you had Auburn and Cal. You had uh, Florida coming out to Utah. And then just this next week, Alabama is going to USF, which I still don't know how USF pulled that off. Um, but it should be a show, to say the least. And wrapping it up, Oklahoma State took care of Arizona State. And I think it, it's it's safe to say Arizona State is kind of the, the bottom dweller of the Pac-12 this year. And you can't really blame them with having the bull ban imposed a week before their season started. None of those players were really caught up in that scandal. Um, so really a, a shitty situation there for Arizona State to have to deal with. Uh, they should have lost week one to Southern Utah. They do lose week two. And they've got a tough opponent in week three in uh, uh, Fresno State, who beat Purdue and then also beat Eastern Washington in overtime, but took care of them nonetheless. Uh, I think Fresno takes that game in Arizona as well. And that kind of leads us into the week three picks and predictions. Um, obviously, we'll wrap up with Oregon State and the San Diego State matchup and, and dive a little bit deeper into that one as usual. Uh, but we will start, uh, let's go bottom to top since we already did Arizona State, Fresno State. Uh, I, th I think Fresno State is, is probably the best power f or best group of five team out there this season. They've already beat a Big Ten opponent in Purdue. Um, obviously, like maybe see them win a little more handily over Eastern Washington, but Eastern Washington's a good football program, and, and Fresno State took care of business there. If they can go undefeated in their non-conference slate, uh, I think they have a very good opportunity to turn some heads and maybe put up 11 or 12 wins this season. Uh, just in a bit of, a, I don't want to say a weaker Mountain West, um, but it looks like Boise State and honestly San Jose State might be your biggest com competition out there. Um, and maybe Wyoming if they can continue to play up to the level and if their quarterback can remain healthy. Their quarterback kind of got dinged up in that game against Texas Tech. Uh, Arizona UTEP is the Pac-12 after dark game. Uh, I think Arizona should take this one pretty handily, um, depending on what the spread is. I might take UTEP to cover the points. I think UTEP's a pretty good program down there this year. Um, I do think Arizona will win the game outright, though. I think uh, they've got things just kind of heading in the right direction down there, and they can look to get it to a, off to a good non-conference 
start before heading into conference play the following week. Uh, the game time or the game day, game of the week, uh, and the Fox Big Twelve Big Noon kickoff, whatever you want to call it, um, they are continue to drain this Colorado cash cow for what it is worth as. Both shows will be there this weekend. Fox Big Noon has been there all three weeks now. And I bet you in week four we see one of those shows in Eugene for the Colorado-Oregon uh, game, barring a Colorado loss this weekend, uh, which I don't see happening against their rival, Colorado State. Uh, I was under the impression that they played this game at uh, Mile High Stadium, or what is now, uh, I don't even know what it's called now. It's been sold out to a corporate sponsors, but... Um, it looks like they're playing this one in Boulder, um, Colorado. It, that'll be their first night game. I do think that in-state rivalry holds a little bit of power, um, at least with the in-state students and the school. So I think it'll be a rowdy and raucous environment. Um, I'm going to take Colorado to win there, probably pretty handily. Uh, Stanford at Sacramento State might be the snoozer of the weekend. Um, a little bit of a revenge game, I think, because if I'm not wrong, I believe Stanford poached their head coach from Sac State. Um, so maybe Sac State comes in with a little bit of chip on their shoulder, plays in a graveyard of a stadium right here. It is looking like you can get your ticket as low as $5 for Saturday night's game, a 5 p.m. kickoff. So any Bay Area friends um, looking to get their college football fix, um, head on out to Stanford Stadium and check out what may be a good game. May not be. Seiko's committee, probably all over that one. Um, uh, I think my biggest blowout of the week will come with Oregon hosting Hawaii. Hawaii doesn't look good. They kind of gave Vanderbilt a run for their money in week zero at Vanderbilt, and I think that kind of fluffed them up a little bit. They did get a win this past weekend over the University of Albany. Uh, that was by 11 points. So I, I don't know. I, I think Oregon's going to kind of run the run the, run the the number up on Hawaii as they've done in the past and as they've done so far this season to the other like, kind of lower skill level teams, if you will, after they put up, what was it, 81 on Portland State. Um, so I look for Oregon to bounce back and finish their non-conference slate. Um, if I, if there was a bit, of, if this was a little bit tougher for an opponent, I would put a little bit of caution in the wind just because Oregon might be looking ahead to what is now turning into a game that they probably didn't have circled on their calendar with Colorado. And now that they're going to have to have circled on their uh, calendar is what it is looking like. It will be a top 20 matchup. Uh, as they head into week four and start conference play. And that will be a game that really kind of dictates where Colorado goes the rest of the way, I think. If, if Oregon goes in there and absolutely drubs them, uh, I think we'll see Colorado, the hype kind of kind of come down on them as they have to start playing uh, teams that have uh, at least proven defenses. Are, I shouldn't say that with Oregon, but the teams that have proven, uh, I guess, skills and strengths, where TCU, a lot of turnover in their roster, and, and then this year, Nebraska... I mean, Nebraska's been bad, and I think that brand kind of elevated that win for them this past weekend. But uh, nonetheless, I do expect Oregon to take care of Hawaii. UCLA has their FCS opponent uh, in North Carolina Central. Uh, I do expect UCLA to take care of business there. Washington State hosts Northern Colorado, same thing. Um, I think the Cougs roll. Um, Probably the most intriguing game of the week Definitely in the Pac-12, possibly in the country, really a poor slate of football this weekend, is uh, is going to be Washington going to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State kind of dealing with quite a bit as a program right now. They just uh, suspended, not fired yet, Mel Tucker um, on sexual harassment claims. Uh, so a lot of kind of 
things up in the air uh, in East Lansing, if you will. Um, and this is also the first really kind of big, I put that in quotes, big game on the Peacock streaming service. So it'll be kind of a test to see how those streaming services are pulling in viewers and a good tell for maybe what the future of college football streaming looks like going forward. Uh, as much as I want to say I, th- I see Michigan State taking this game, uh, I think this Washington team is for real. I think it's going to take a, a real good team to trip them up, a real good defense. It seems like Penix can just sit back there and kind of sling that rock wherever he wants to put it. Their wide receivers are legit. Uh, they're going to be a, a tricky, tricky task, which is why I, I count my blessings every day that we get them in late November in Corvallis. Um, what I know already is going to probably be this four o'clock time slot, I could see an ABC, I can see a Fox. Um, this will be a, a huge game as long as Oregon State can kind of continue to live up to where they've been playing, um, and I think they can. Uh, jump it up now, California, Idaho. Idaho is coming off a big win at Nevada. They are two and zero for the first time since like '98. I heard um, it might be even longer than that. But the Vandals are looking to have a good season um, in the Kibbe Dome. But for this week, they will be on the road in Berkeley. I think I think Cal's pretty good. I think Cal can kind of turn some heads and maybe push for six wins this year. Um, I think Jaden Ott is the real deal as a running back. And I think that they will kind of clear this week and take an easy victory here. Um, They kind of gave Auburn all they had. And Auburn is is a good SEC program. Um, The the tricky thing with Cal is their schedule is just an absolute gauntlet. Um, After this Idaho game, uh, they have nine remaining games. Uh, of which seven of those opponents are currently ranked. Not easy. Maybe the hardest schedule in the Pac-12, especially with the stretch that includes um, a home game against Oregon State, a road game against Utah, a home game against USC, a road game at Oregon, and then a home game versus Washington State. That is a brutal uh, little stretch there. There is a bye week sprinkled in between Utah and USC, but I, I just don't know how much that helps. Um so it'll be tricky for them to get four wins out of those nine, but uh, I think they are a team that can definitely pull some upsets. Uh, Oregon State struggled at that stadium before, uh, but jumping one game now, uh, jumping the Oregon State-San Diego State game, getting to the Utah-Beaver State game, I've seen pundits and things of that on social media calling for this game to be much closer than it is. And obviously Utah's been underperforming. I don't think Utah's going to underperform to the level that they keep a close game with Weber State, um, home of Damian Lillard. Uh, taking a look at what Weber State's done so far this year, they are 2-0. They put up a 35-10 win over Central Washington, who I don't know what level. I think they are D2 school. If I, correct me if I'm wrong, not too sure. Uh, and then they did put up a 34-17 win over Northern Iowa. So a good a good team, but I just don't know what they could take there. And I, let me check now. I believe they're, they're probably ranked fairly high here in the FCS poll. Um, obviously, you've got the South Dakota State and North Dakota State taking one and two. Uh, Weaver State is coming in at seven right there. And Sac State's at six, so Sac State still could definitely give Stanford a run for their money. Um, A couple other schools of note on here. Uh, Idaho's at 10. UC Davis remains at 16 after their loss to the Beavs last weekend. Um, And then you've got, what was the school I saw there? North Carolina Central, who is UCLA's opponent. 
They are also in that top 25 there, but there's just such a gap there that I don't think that should be much of a concern. Uh, Utah will pick up a win here and somehow make it through conference play 3-0. and um, Kind of a testament to Kyle Whittingham and what he's got going on there. And finally wrapping it up with the Beaver game that weekend or this weekend against San Diego State. I, I think Oregon State wins handily. The spread opened at 21 and a half. It's up to 24 and a half. I still don't think that's high enough. I wish I could have moved the line higher. That was as high as I could take it. Um, and I did take it. Um, so give me the beeves there. Pretty big. San Diego State does not look good. Uh, I think we see a couple turnovers here. Uh, I think a, a very similar thing. I don't think the starters finish the third quarter. Uh, I think this is a, a drubbing in a, in a big party at Reeser and a party all day Saturday as uh, some students start to trickle back onto campus as we get within a week of uh, classes starting and things of that sort. But um, just a fun day. Uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful day this Saturday in Corvallis. I'm contemplating what my schedule should look like, whether I'm getting down there early and hanging out or going down Friday night um, and setting up. But uh, 87 degrees looks like the temps, uh, nothing but blue skies. In what should be a picture-perfect day for Oregon State to maybe pull out the orange jerseys and, and put a hurt on San Diego State and, and kind of rest some guys and get healthy before a big road test against Washington State, which is getting the primetime treatment. It is getting the 7 o'clock Eastern window on not FS1, not for Fox Sports Network, on Fox. Um, so a bit of an interesting twist there with after this whole offseason being told no one wants to showcase either of those two teams. Um, it is the game between those two teams that is beating out other rather big games. Um, how I mentioned that this weekend's slate is kind of a clunker. Um, taking a peek here. There is just really, I'm trying to find the best game that we've got going on on Saturday. And there's just, uh, how do you say, not much here. Um, I'm trying to find if there is any ranked matchups. And it does not appear that there are. I, I'd assume the Tennessee-Florida game is probably the biggest game of the week. Um, but Florida doesn't look that good. And we'll see if Tennessee can go out and kind of prove themselves. Um, but week four is a dandy, and we'll be kind of waiting to get there as conference play opens up all around the country, not just within the Pac-12. And things really get rolling there. Um, just a quick preview of the slate. You've got UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. Uh, where else do we hear? Florida State, Clemson, which is the game that the um, – oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the, that's the morning game. Uh, you've got, let's see, Colorado, Oregon, Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, just a, kind of a, a slate full of games. Ohio State, Notre Dame, which is going to be interesting because that is the game that will be competing with the Beavs and Cougs eyeballs-wise. Uh, that game is going to be on NBC. Beavs Cougs is at 4.30 on Fox. And then the CBS 4.30 game is going to be Penn State, Iowa, and on ESPN, it's Baylor, Texas. So there's a lot of good games out there that Oregon State and Washington State are going to have to compete with. And if they can put up numbers, uh, I think there could be some things happening, especially with the way that the lawsuit's going and if things are headed for a settlement. Uh, maybe you could kind of use this as leverage to find your way into a conference before the clock strikes midnight. Uh, but it's definitely getting close to there. 
so fingers crossed, nothing's for certain. As, as always, kind of as we've learned through this past offseason and this whole realignment process. Uh, but I will wrap things up on that note. Beavs moved to three and zero. Most of the Pac-12. I think I've got the entire Pac-12 winning this week. Actually, um, let me just double check and, and cross my T's, dot my eyes uh, before I send you off on that note. But it appears that the Pac-12 is headed for a strong non-conference slate, and we'll get uh, kind of excited to roll in for a big conference season. Uh, the last one, one final hurrah. Um, I take back what I said. I do have Arizona State losing to Fresno. That is the only Pac-12 school I see losing uh, on the season, which will uh, lend for a dominant dominant non-conference uh, slate for the Pac-12. I'm not sure historically what the records are as far as that goes, but if you could close the non-conference season with just that one additional loss... Um, that'd be five conference losses to a whole bunch of wins there. So uh, things are looking up for the Pac-12 in its final season. But uh, that will be the, the, the end all there. Thanks again. If you haven't listened to the recap of the court case um, and you aren't kind of over, overwhelmed with news and reports coming out of it, uh, please give that a listen uh, if you're interested and continue to share this with other Pac-12 followers and fans and Beaver fans uh, and your friends as well. And I will look forward to seeing you all next week to do a recap of the San Diego State game and a preview of the big away game out on the Palouse as we get ready for a conference play. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Have a good one. As always, go Beavers.